accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. 
He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If if you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden 
in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If if you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation.
When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope. 22. And the January woven is always good because we get good uh, instruction for the year. And uh, we're all about growth around here. <laughs> so, and, and you guys are growing. And that's what's awesome. I think probably you'd say you won't make the same. Like some of your decisions are different now, aren't they? Since you've been growing in God. It's a lot different, isn't it? And I think that's what we aim for. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We give you praise and honor and glory. We worship your name, Lord, that is above every other name. There is no one else like you there's no comparison there's nothing on this earth that we can compare you to and so we put you in the category all by yourself high and lifted up the most high god and we speak into this atmosphere and everyone that listens to this at the sound of my voice that no other voice has permission to speak but the voice of the holy ghost and we shut down every influence and every other voice that tries to reroute the plans that you've already written for us father we come in agreement and in alignment with the plans that you have prepared for us before the foundations of the earth you had already written us into purpose and into place on this earth so we thank you father for that and we ask that you speak to us today show us something we've never seen and let us hear something we've never heard from you and about you and what you want us to know today. And I speak this into existence to every heart, to every mind, to every person that's listening. At the sound of my voice today or any other day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So today we're going to talk about what is your Distance of affection between God and everything else. I did not know how else to word this. This is my topic. What is the distance of affection? When I was leading worship on Sunday, or when Wednesday, that was our last service, right? Wednesday. I saw this. I saw this instruction. And I, I, I was thinking I would say something, you know, like I would say, like, this is what I saw. But I didn't get to. And then I sat down and I realized Pastor Doug's preaching a message about tapping into the supply. And this has a lot to do with how much supply you can get. That's what the Lord was showing me. And he was showing me the distance. Here's the gist of it, and I'll teach it then. So the, the gist of it that I saw was, the distance between your affection for God and the highest thing you love on earth, whatever that best love is of yours, the wider the distance, the more of that thing you can have from God. Or if you decide to just get it on your own, that's where the problems come in. Because you're now, you are now, uh, shortening the gap between your love for God and that thing when you get it on your own. Do you understand? So the things that we have in our lives that God has given us 
is a barometer or a indicator of how much we love God and how much we put him first in that subject matter. Let's put it that way. I hope you're seeing what, but I saw this. It was like I saw this wide open space and God there and everything else here. And the wider the space, the better for us. Because it will not trigger the jealousy of God. So God's the only one allowed to be jealous, rightfully so. And I heard a very popular woman, talk show woman, she's since not have her talk show anymore, turned away from God when she went to church one Sunday and the preacher was preaching on the subject that God is jealous. And she said, well, who does God think he is to be jealous of all my success and who I am? And that's when she went in search of another way. And everybody thought she was Christian, but she wasn't. She was turning away from God when she started her show way back when. And today she has a great big following. And she has even ministers come on there and they talk about stuff. But she is not for God. She's actually in search of a replacement for God. Because she didn't like that he was jealous of her and her success. So, do you see how this could be a problem for God? <laughs> so, so, that's what we want to talk about today. Everybody with me? Right? So let's go to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Let's get started there. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Is it seven? Okay. All right, we're gonna try to make this. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Something you know, but I want you to look at it. Let's go to 34. I'll pull a Pastor Doug on us. <laughs> so Matthew 27, 34, it says, When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they called a meeting to discuss how to trap Jesus. This could preach. I could preach a whole sermon just on that whole thing just right there. Then one of them... <laughs> A religious scholar posed this question to test him. Teacher, which commandment is in the law is the greatest? <laughs> Jesus answered him. Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart. With all the energy of your being, this is the Passion Translation, and with every thought that is within you. This is the greatest and supreme commandment, and the second is like it in importance. You must love your friend in the same way you love yourself. Other versions say love your neighbor as yourself. Contained within these commandments to love you will find, would into, <laughs> let me read that again. Contained within these commandments to love, you will find all the meaning of the law and the prophets. 
So bottom line is everything that God talks about, everything, the law and the prophets, that means things that are written in stone that are, this is what happened, and things that will happen, it's all wrapped in this. Loving God, loving your neighbor as yourself. Okay. I want to point something out to you. Where it says, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, all the energy of your being, and every thought that is within you. That's three different things. Right? And then love your neighbor as yourself. One thing. Right? So we see right away. The love we need to have for God should be at minimum three levels higher than anybody else. If it's not that way, we are not putting God first. Because we're supposed to do that first. Then the next comes into place. You see that? So, so for this year, I want us to consider perspective. This is the word that we're going to do this year. Perspective. What is your perspective of God? Where do you see God from? Weird question, isn't it? Are you seeing God from underneath somebody else's experience? Or are you seeing God from your, he, you're here and he's there. There's nobody else in between. How many layers lie between you and God of people and things? It's a very important question for us to ask ourselves this year. Okay? Now, how do you determine this? It's determined by the questions you ask yourself before saying yes to God. You remember when um, um, Elijah went to Elisha and he was going to give him, you know, uh, the Lord told him to go and make him the next uh, prophet or whatever. And Elisha was saying, oh, you know, let me do this first. And and then Elijah was like, let the dead bury. Like he was like, it's now or never, buddy. Let's go. So it's that kind of a thing. You have, if you're going to be working for God, Like, that's Elisha. You know, you're going to be, like, you're going to tell God, oh, I'll take the message when I've done, after I've done this, this, and this. So he would have, if Elijah had allowed him the leeway to do all these things he wanted to do, I don't remember what he allowed him to do, but bottom line is there had to be a stop at some point, then he would have disqualified himself right away from being a prophet, much less one that does double what Elijah did, right? So if you're going to be a mouthpiece for God, which is what the point of being a prophet is, you better be able to pick up and go when God says, go there and do this, right? So as a person, you weren't sent here 
for anybody else but God's purpose. Like he thought about you. Nobody else thought about you. Even if you thought about having a kid, you weren't the one that thought about the kid you got. (laughs) If there wasn't a blueprint about the kid, the kid would have never showed up. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Like we think we planned all these things we do, but the bottom line is God had a hand in it too. Like he had to have, when you say I'm ready to have a child on the earth, okay, let me see the child. I'm going to send this blueprint that needs to show up on earth now. Here, you take this blueprint that I've already written. Do you know, you know it's, it's way more thought through than we realize it's thought through by God. And we have to give him the credit of this thought life. Because if we don't, somebody else is getting the credit. And God is jealous. Right? Now... There's so much. Look, this is what I'd like to tell you tonight. (laughs) I'm sorting it out as we go. Okay. So um, let's go to Deuteronomy 11.22. Deuteronomy 11. Everybody with me so far? Deuteronomy 11.22. Deuteronomy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deuteronomy 11.22. <laughs> okay. So here's what the New Living says. Be careful to obey all these commands I'm giving you. Show love to the Lord your God by walking in his ways and holding tightly to him. Then the Lord will drive out the nations ahead of you. You see, if you read Deuteronomy you'll see a lot of places where if you love the Lord, you will obey then. If you love the Lord, you will obey then. Okay? God is not going to give you something that will cause you to put him at the bottom. His intention in giving you anything is so he gets the glory and the awe, wow, out of it. Right? Not the feats that you have done to produce it. Okay? So when we take these things for granted, we forget. See, if we're not careful to be, like people try to be humble. Well, the fact that you're trying to be humble in itself is pride. But that's a whole different story. (laughs) Humility should be a uh, reflexive action. And humility shouldn't be that you're covering anything up. Humility should be that you're exposing good things and giving the credit to the right person. That's humility. Humility is really you giving credit to God and you obeying God. That's humility. That's ultimate humility is to say yes to God no matter what he said to you. Pride is to have to take it and think about it and ponder it because you have the option Well, yeah, we all have the option. God's given us choice. But when you take your choice to make God wait, that's pride. And really, that's control. Isn't that what a controlling person does? If they have power over you, they make you wait for something before they give it to you, and they make you do all this. That's control. God doesn't control us. 
But likewise, we shouldn't control ourselves against God, if that makes sense. If I put a question on any action I want to do, it would be against somebody who's asking me to do something that I don't know very well, or I'm not sure what their intention is. That's the person I should tell to wait, or let me think about it. But anything God says to me, I should say yes, and then ask, how would you like me to do this next? <laughs> Remember Mary? How can this be? But let it be, you know, be it unto you, unto me, as you have said, whatever she says. But she even sang. All kinds of stuff happened. <laughs> I mean, we got sermons for days just from Mary's response to God. <laughs> I mean, think about this. We are preaching sermons based on her response to God. Her response to God was an example for the wor- it's been an example for the world ever since the conception of Jesus. <laughs> Think about this. Before she gave birth to Jesus, she gave God glory. And there was testimonies about God's goodness when she wasn't even showing yet. I mean, how did she know she was pregnant? She just accepted that she was. Think about this. No wonder God, she found favor in God's eyes because he knew that would be her response. So whatever ravaged relationship you're having with God, it has nothing to do with God not wanting you to have something. It has everything to do with how you're controlling your relationship with you and God. That's really what it comes down to. We are on the controlling end of this. And God is gracious enough to give us the space and the latitude to love him. After all, what is coerced love? It's not love. (laughs) Right? So God loves us, period. It's our love to God that decides a lot of things in our life. And so my challenge to you this year is if we look at Matthew 20, whatever, 24, 27 again, or 22, 27, 22, 37. Put that up there for me. I want us to look at the three areas that, um, for you to focus on. Um, heart. Okay, Soul. And all your mind. Check that out. What does the Amplified say? Let's look at the Amplified. Oh, I didn't realize we had the passion up there. That's good. But the Amplified. Let's see what the Amplified says. I'm challenging her. There we go. Uh, All your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, intellect. That's the only thing it added, your intellect. See? There we go. Okay. Now, God wants you to look good. He wants you to live good. That's proper English. He wants you to know 
more than anybody else that's working for any other kingdom. This is God's desire because we're his child. Okay, we're not an outcast looking in the window hoping that we get some scraps. We are actually born again. If you're born again, you're a child of God. If you're not born again, you can be a child of God. Easy. Tell me, I'll I'll help you. The point is, it's in God's best interest that we are better than we are right now. So between now and next year, we should all be better than we were right now because of who our father is. Okay? So in order for this to happen, our relationship with God needs to grow. We can't just go off of old Bible stories and what we heard ancient people say happened to them because they know God. We need to have some stories of our own. <laughs> okay? We need to have our own stories that we tell people about how good our daddy is to us. Right? And these not, the devil should be no part of the equation in my story. I wrote this phrase down. I showed it to Melissa. I said she'd, she'd be the one. Um, <clears throat> remove God from the equation of mediocrity in your life. So anything in your life that, that's mediocre, don't put the blame on God. <laughs> Take him out of it. He would never, anything God is involved in in your life will not be mediocre. He doesn't have mediocrity in him. So he can't contribute that to your life. It's coming from somewhere else. So take a look at your life and see where things are mediocre and find out what foreign element has embedded itself in there that does not belong to God's kingdom. That's what you need to look at. Find the answer in the word of God. Start there. Start looking in the word for the things that you find in your relationships, in your activities, and see if it's in the Word. See an example in the Word, somebody who had that same thing. But then see what God did about it. What did he replace it with? What did he fix it with? How did he solve this problem? Don't just wait for something to happen. Pursue God. This is how we pursue God. We are, we should be running after God. We should be like, so I did this uh, TikTok video. By the way, if you're on TikTok, find me. It's just at my name. (laughs) And if you're on Instagram, find me. It's at Fiona Discover. But I did this video and I was saying, you know, the verse that talks about think on these, on these things, uh, things that are pure, all this stuff. We always think of it like, you know, something bad's happening, but you should be thinking about these things. Well, whenever you're thinking about something, there has to be an object attached to it because you're thinking about something. You're not just thinking about thin air. So when you think of pure, the purest thing that you can attach to pure is God. There's nothing pure, right? When you think of good and lovely Those are things you should start attaching to God. That's the highest form of those things. So when something happens, 
you should automatically be thinking about God and good, God and lovely, God and pure. Don't you think your body, your mind, your whole body will be flooded with the goodness and the greatness of God, with the love of God? And when our, when we, when our being is flooded with these things, it's a solution. It brings a solution. <laughs> you see, but the question is how far it really is. How, where is the pride level where you can't break through, you can't go here because you don't want people to think you're proud? Well, that means you're judging somebody that's there that says those things and does those things. You think they're proud because they do, but you don't know. You see what I'm saying? I, whenever I coach people, I've coached a few people, and I realize, I said to them, you, you're not, you say you don't want to do this because you're judging somebody else that does it. And they were like, I said, yeah. <laughs> One girl, she said, that really hurts my heart. Wow. I could feel my heart hurting when you said that. Well, when she left my office, what she had planned for over eight years to do, like an eight-year plan. I met with her when I just found out I was pregnant with Josiah. So that's 11 years ago. She would have now been three years into this plan she had planned. Today, she went and did what she wanted to do for the Lord on the mission field. Went on staff on that ministry, which would have taken her years based on her plan. Came back, married the guy that she ditched, married him because he was the right guy for her. She has two or three kids right now today, 11 years later, versus her plan, the first part of her plan would have taken eight years. And the reason is she had a pride issue with how to do the thing, the first step, because of other people doing it. And she was judging how other people did it. She did the same thing that she was judging. She went ahead and did it in one event, raised all the money she needed for everything. It broke it. You see? So you have to examine the stops that you have in place. Well, I can't do that because I don't know what people will think, or I don't want people to think this. As soon as you start a sentence with, I don't want people to think this, your thoughts are aligned more with people's observation of you than God's. And that becomes a problem. It's a major problem. The Lord gave me an instruction Monday night about midnight. Tuesday morning, I got up and started it. I told Doug, from now on for the next hundred business days, I will be doing this. Okay? So, I started on Tuesday. Today was day four. And I'm so happy that I did it. Start again on Monday. I got the weekend off. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit said it to me, and I immediately, because the Lord, I will never disobey an instruction from the Holy Spirit. Never, never, never. Nobody could get me to. I will lose, I, could, I would rather lose every relationship I have on this planet than to say no to the Holy Spirit. That's how I feel about it. It's how I've always lived my life. Nobody gets to tell me 
what I can and can't do if God tells me I should do something. I don't care who you are. You could be the president of a country. It does not matter to me. If God tells me to do something, the next opportunity, it was midnight when he told me this. If it was in the afternoon, I would have gone the very same day. (laughs) But he knows how I operate too. (laughs) So he told me midnight the night before, the next day, I did it. First opportunity. And I love it. And it's something I have been trying on my own to do because I need to do it. But because the Holy Spirit told me to do it, I will not have an excuse to not, I will not make an excuse up to not do it. Because if I tell myself to do it, I would most likely find everybody else would get first place because I put them first instead of me wanting to do what I would like to do for myself. But since the Holy Spirit gave me that instruction, I'm like, let's just put it at the top of the list. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? And like I tell everybody all the time, whatever the, the last um, instruction you can remember, the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance the last instruction he gave you that is still valid. Because some of these instructions are seasonal. So if you miss a season, if you miss it when he told you, you have to wait a whole season for him to bring it back because it would be in, like when the children of Israel didn't want to go fight. You know, when they were crying and, oh, and then when Moses reprimanded them and said, you people, blah, 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 blah. They all said, oh, no, okay, 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 we'll go. He said, no, you can't go now. But they did, still didn't listen to him. <laughs> so they decided to get themselves together and go fight anyway. And they died. <laughs> it was out of sync with the instructions of God. See, if you love God, you will accept his yes. His no, his wait, his maybe, you will accept all of it. And you will not question it. You know, when you have to question God and keep asking him over and over, that's manipulation. That's, that's a business relationship. That's a sales relationship. Now, you don't want to live a life on this earth where you have a business relationship with God and not a love relationship. A business relationship is where you do your talent for God, you know. If you can sing, you sing. You know, if you can type, you type. If you can whatever, teach Sunday school, you teach, you know. But your love relationship with God doesn't really exist it's stagnant it's you know but and you're only doing things that you know how to do already and you like doing it the gift that God gave us we like it it's because it's part of us so we do enjoy doing what God asks us to do when it's in our gift or even some people leave church because they didn't get to do what they wanted to do with their gift actually So they had nothing to do with God telling them to do it. They just decided, I'm supposed to do this. This is why it's important to listen to God if you're leading people because he is the one that qualifies people for a promotion. He's also the one that shows mercy to people. So let's say a person has really been 
not listening to him, and he relocates them. And he thought, okay, if I send them here, or if I put them there, maybe they'll learn some things and then listen to me. But as a leader, you have to listen to when God says, I'm done. And you also have to listen to when God says, I need to give them another chance. Right? So this is why we don't go just by processes and, you know, I'm doing this, this uh, business degree. I just think it's hilarious, frankly. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, it's a Christian university. Yeah, yay. But the point is, it's all by, you know, process. You know, like if this person is doing that, then you do this. And I'm thinking, this is a bunch of baloney. <laughs> So I go, I give them their research, you know, you have to back everything up with research. Pretty much every sentence has to have a thing behind it, you know, quoted, blah, 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 blah. And then, thank God it's a Christian university, so I do get to do a biblical perspective. Well, that's where I dish it all out. (laughs) And there's really nothing they can tell me about it because it is my biblical perspective. But my point is, if you are gifted in a certain way, the Holy Spirit is the one that's supposed to lead you into things, right? So you may know all the processes in the world, which are fine. They're good for, for categorizing. It's all great. But it's needed for people who don't have a relationship with God, who can't hear God talk. They have to go the hard way. Right? Nobody could have told Jacob to cut out the bark, you know, do the stripey thing and the thing and all that he did. There was nothing on the earth that was written about that before. Right? God gave it to him. Nobody could have told Joseph what to do. God gave it to him when it came to the, the seven famine and the, you know, the seven years of flourishing in the seven years of famine for Egypt, right? So there are th- you have to listen to God even if you're put in a position where certain process... Every job I have ever had, this is how it went down. This is how it went down. And I always, everything that was put into my hands were multiplied. 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 And evil exposed in grand style. And I didn't follow their processes, not by rebellion, but simply by a higher way that they loved, by the way, because it produced better results. Right? So I'm going to give you these scriptures. You can write them down so you can study them. Um, but let's go to 1 John 4, 8. Let's go to that one. 1 John 4, 8. I think I'm moving my arms around too much. I'm breathing a little heavier. <laughs> it's raising my heart rate. 1 <laughs> John 4, 8. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. You see that? So if you have any category of people you can't love, you don't know God in that level. 
So if you can only love the people that like you, you only know God at that level. You don't know God at the beyond norm level. Do you see? Because it takes going above and beyond to love somebody that hates you. Right? It takes going above and beyond to still talk to somebody that you know just planned your death. Jesus with Judas. He had the last supper with him. That's where he was discussing. Somebody here is going to kill me. And then he disclosed... I knew you were a devil from the beginning. It didn't catch Jesus by surprise. But the point is Jesus still showed love. Now, the thing about it is when you love God, you will understand more facets of love. If you don't activate your love relationship with God, you're going to be loving at the world level which is based on the senses. It's based on who did this for you and then now they're the ones you're going to do back for, right? It's based on you can easily be manipulated to show love. That's another, that's a toxic um, behavior towards love. When you can easily be manipulated to show So, in other words, love doesn't give people their own way with you. Love gives people their own choice for themselves. That's an important distinction to make. So, when you show somebody love, if you show everybody love, I show everybody love because I give them the right of refusal. So if they don't want to do something, then great. That's your choice. Have at it. But you have to have standards in your life that this type of behavior gets this reward. This type of behavior gets this reward. Jesus did that. How did Jesus treat the Sadducees and the Pharisees? Did he take them around ministering with him? Come, let's go to this healing meeting for which you have no belief that I could do it, right? No, he didn't do that because he didn't take on belief with him to perform something that requires belief, right? But when Jesus went to the cross, who did he die for? Just the people that followed him? He died for everyone, which included the people who actually made his ministry a misery. Well, they tried to. It wasn't for him. It was a joy joy that was said before but they, they did everything they could right do you see so jesus let them decide what their relationship with him was going to be but it didn't change his heart for them you see the difference so when you walk in love it doesn't mean people can walk all over you that happens if you have no standards if you don't think that you are valuable anybody can walk all over you But when you have a relationship with God and you build that love relationship with God, you realize you are quite valuable and the highest position in the universe 
loves you the most than anybody else. I mean, what else could you ask for? (laughs) So all this longing for human acceptance goes away when you realize you have the acceptance of God who made every single thing. Like, how could you not... Do you see how your thinking can change? So when people do you bad, it's nothing. Your life wasn't riding on them. (laughs) Your life wasn't dependent on them. Your whole, you know, this is key to get. Because if you go into distress because of a relationship and how the person is behaving towards you, you're kind of like dissing God. Like your most important relationship. Look at how they're treating you. And God's there. Treated you the best you've ever been treated in your life. And still it's not going to. You remember Hannah? When she wanted a son and then her husband was like, why are you crying? You know, am I not better than ten sons? Well, frankly, you're not, honey. Thank you. (laughs) It's kind of like what we do to God. You know, when we're sitting in distress over somebody, a relationship with somebody, and God's like, well, have I not been so good to you? Like, think about what he did with Elijah. You know, he's sitting there crying. Oh, they're going to kill me. Well, what? (laughs) Like, who are you working for? You're not working for Jezebel. (laughs) You're working for me. Do you see what I'm saying? That's when his ministry was, he was told, hand it over to somebody else. Do you see this? God's jealous. We don't want to talk about that stuff. But God is jealous. There is God that's jealous. I mean, what does a jealous God do? He's provoked by our love relationship with him. That's what provokes him. You could mess up as much as you want to mess up. That won't take him off as much as you dissing him for somebody else. I mean, think about it. So the key, it lies in our heart, our soul, and our mind. It's the gap between God and the other person. That's the key here. How high above Pastor Doug and my children is God? That's the question I have to answer in my heart. Like, what's the distance? Think about Abraham. What do you think the distance was between God and Isaac? Think about that. What was the distance for uh, what Jesus did? Jesus went to the cross and died. The people at the cross were asked, showing him his mom and his dad, and he was telling the disciples, you take care of this, you know, his mom. You take care of her. You understand what I'm saying? But he followed God and, and went and died for mankind while his mama was crying there looking at him. This is a human side. Like a, her human son is on the cross. <laughs> But this was the love that Jesus had for his father. Anything his father said is what he did. The question you need to ask yourself is, what are you afraid that God wouldn't allow you to do? What are you afraid God will take away from you if you surrender completely to him? What will he not allow you to do? Right? Your soul involves your mind, your will, and your emotion. Are you more emotional with a human than you are with God? 
Think about this. Who gets the best of our emotions? Are we always going to God crying? <laughs> Do we ever go to him and like just hang out? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, God, I, oh my God, it's like the sunshine. You outdid yourself today. <laughs> yeah. Like, you just, like, over, like, you went above and beyond. Like, seriously. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the time. God, I mean, he's, God wants this. It's man that came in and gave you all these rules and regulations about how you, when you speak to the Father, you must. <laughs> you know, in, um, in Indian weddings, the Hindu religion. Oh, there's this lady that goes with the bride and groom for their first, I always forget what she's called. If anybody online knows, just put it in the comments. There's a lady that goes with the bride and groom the first night and she has to stay with them for two nights. She sleeps in between them. They're not allowed to consummate the marriage for two weeks. I have no idea why. But, yeah. So... There have been stories, you know, where the grooms would pay off the person and all that, whatever. But <laughs> they go away for two weeks on their honeymoon and there is no honey and no moon. <laughs> there's a lady sleeping between them. Anyway, I forgot what she's called. Anyway, there's a name for her. But that's kind of like what religion wants to do with us and God. You got saved now. You're supposed to develop this love relationship. But before you could do that, we have to teach you a few things about God. Like, really? I'd like, to, I'd like to get to know him myself, too. Like, can I just talk to him myself and have all these problems? You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so if any of that teaching is in your mind, you need to get it out. Because it's wrong. Oh, I forgot what this woman is called. Anyway, and so you have to clear your mind. There is nothing God could ask me to do that I wouldn't do because I'm concerned about somebody else. It's never been a part of who I am. And I can tell you, I could think about things and God will just give it to me. I was thinking I would really like to eat some tuna. But I didn't have time to go to the store and get my own tuna. I come today and daddy made tuna. I went, well, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, you need, God needs to get the glory when these things happen because he's the one that did it for you. Right? As he wants people to know. Esther, Queen Esther. She, got, she allowed God to use her beauty and her process, she went through their process, to be, to be put in a position in a, in a country that God needed her to be in to save his people. What if she was one of those people that just, well, God, I don't know if I want to go marry some foreign guy, and he's a king and he already had a wife, <laughs> and I may or may not get to be queen. Like, I'll say, when her uncle was giving her instructions and she wasn't going to do it, and he said, well, who knows that God might have brought you here for such a time as this, but really, if you don't do it, somebody else is going to have to do it. 
Don't kid yourself that because you are in the palace, you won't get killed too. Right? Because she was of the race that they were going to kill. But my point is, she got a lesson out of that, and she adjusted. And she put herself on the line. She literally put herself in death's way. You know, and she could have died, but she put herself there to get this done. So, like, when was the last time you made a sacrifice for God? When was the last time you told somebody else no so you could tell God yes? When was the last time you said no to yourself so you could do something nice for God? These are great questions to ask yourself, right? All these insecurities, see them like little people getting in the way between you and God, if that helps. <laughs> yeah, they're little people running around telling you, no, 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 no. All they're saying no to is you can't connect with God. I don't want you to have a relationship with God. You and God shouldn't be so close. Because that means you and I are going to have to break up. Now, who do you think controls those insecurities? It ain't God. Because <laughs> he didn't make you with any. He sure didn't recreate you in the born-again experience. Like, let's leave a few insecurities in there for her, just to keep her humble. <laughs> right? And your soul, your mind, will, emotion, your experience. Oh, so a thing you could do. I forgot who I heard say this. It might have been Kat Kerr. I don't remember. Maybe it was Kat Kerr. You could bind the plans of God to your soul. It was Kat Kerr. You could bind the plans that God wrote for you to your soul. So it becomes an attachment inside of you that you have said, come, I want you. I want the plans of God. And you bind it to your soul. So you start living from the plans of God instead of what everybody else dumped in your soul. When people are telling you stuff about yourself, when people are, are hurting you in relationships, when people are telling you bad um, feedback about who you are, what you're supposed to do, that gets in your soul. So imagine if you bind the plans of God to your soul and put that as the sieve or as the... Or as the, um, I forgot what you call those things. But it's basically the, the um, check to accept or reject what comes in your soul. We're talking automatic stuff here. You get more time to spend with God. What is it? Filters, yes. Filters, yeah. Let the plan of God from Psalm 139... Verse 16 and on. He wrote about it there. Then in Ephesians, I have this for you. Ephesians 1.4. Before the foundations of the earth, he had a plan. Let's go to that one. Ephesians 1.4. Look at that. He chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself. He joined us to himself. We're bound to his soul. <laughs> even before he laid the foundation of the universe because of his great love. So our response to his great love is to show our great love by binding what he said and wrote about us to our soul as the filter, the gatekeeper for our actions, our behaviors, and what we accept and reject from somebody else. 
This is huge. Okay? So your intellect, as you're learning things, it needs to be checked against what God said about you. It has to have a check and a balance. I'm telling you, if you would realize how much... If, you know when you're dating somebody and all that, don't you look better than when, after you got them? Like, let's just... Like, anybody that's dating anybody, don't they get all dressed up and they're like all this nicey-nicey? Then once you're married, it's like, oh, well, they already saw me naked and no makeup, so. But that's if that's if. I might have been too much information. But, <laughs> but my point is, if you already had an identity that you decide, that's my identity, I'd like to keep it, thank you very much, then you would continue dressing how you dress and whatever, whatever. You understand what I'm saying? But where was I going with this? I don't know. <laughs> we got stuck in the air. <laughs> oh, oh, I know. It's because you were feeling this love for the first time from the person, you responded by the way you looked. A lot of times. You know, or and even how they looked and everything. Well, God's love never changed for us. When we become a Christian, we don't have to look like some dried up prune. I'm like, well, also, especially holy now, we can, oh, like, show him the same passion. It should even be better. Because you got to know him better. You will start to behave better. <laughs> like, for real. You will be happier. <laughs> You know, things will just like roll off because you and God have been having a discussion about it and he's already given you a plan. You don't have to get all like upset about it. (laughs) You know, and if you're finding that you're asking God for something, an opportunity has come and you're talking to him about it and it doesn't seem to be, you know, working or whatever, you need to check with God and say, is this thing too close up there with you? check, check and find out. Like, is this going to be too close to how much I love you? Like, there should be this huge gap, I'm thinking. But seriously, if I'm bringing this up, 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 and keeping you out of the picture, let's get it straightened out. There needs to be some assurance from us that we're going to ditch him. That's a love relationship. God isn't insecure. But we need to know where we stand. We're the ones that need to realize what we're being carried away with. You understand? Ten minutes. Okay. Um, If you don't, I'm going to say some things. Like you could write it or just soak it in. (laughs) Or watch the video later. If you don't have a love relationship with God, you only have an employer-employee relationship. It was the difference between Zechariah and Mary. He was in the house of God, filling up, lighting up the lights, doing his priestly duty. She was a girl still living at home with her mama, now going to get married. And check it out. He was an employee. 
she had a relationship with God before Jesus even came. You see the difference? Um, do you do everything you can to make God look good to people? Do you try to justify his badness to them? Like let's say they think God is doing something to them to punish them or to whatever. Are you trying to make them feel better that they're being punished? (laughs) Or do you make sure they understand God doesn't do that? Or... It could be sowing and reaping, which is on your end, not God's. (laughs) You see? Or do we try not to offend people if they are being disrespectful to God and we're trying to make... So we think if we don't offend them, they'll, they'll come to know Christ. That's the trap the enemy sets. That you better be careful how you talk to people because we want them to come to Jesus. Really? Yeah, I do too. But I'm not going to make God look like a fool so they can feel better about it. (laughs) You guys heard the story I told the lady. She was an executive, and I told her. She was telling me about her. One of the high-level executives that she worked with on her floor was giving her a hard time. He was the HR guy, too, and uh, was giving her. She was over finance, and the employees from all over the company would come up to her office and ask her for prayer for different things. And he came into her office and was telling her, like, you can't do that. It is against the rules and blah, blah, blah. And who do you think you are and everything else? So I said to her, she said, so Pastor Fiona, how should I respond to him? You know, it's, it's my company, you know, it's work. And blah, blah. I said, well, here's what you say to him. You say, you know, I understand how you feel. It takes a different level of faith to do what I do to help the people. And you're not quite there yet. So I understand why you feel that way. <laughs> she said, I said, yeah, why not? Why do you have to downplay the power of God that's working in you to make him feel better about it? He should be the one that feels anything that's not good, not you. Do you know he came into her office soon after that to ask her for prayer for him? Now, wouldn't you think what she did was showing and giving glory to God, not backing down for some dude who has some position who could be fired any day now and not have a position and be unemployed? Have you ever thought about that? You never back down on representing God ever, ever, ever. He created everything, including the person who's telling you what to do about him. I never back down on God. And those are the times that we need to show him up. He's not the minority. He's not the only one. He is the one. Do you know what I'm saying? We, we shouldn't go in our little corner and be like, oh. <laughs> uh, I, oh, when I wrote my son's teacher to explain that, you know, he mentioned that he was doing yoga. They wanted him to do yoga, you know, in their mindfulness time or whatever. So I explained. He said, Mom, 
it's yoga. I said, well, he said, yeah, the video said yoga stretches. <laughs> I said, okay. So I wrote her a little note, and I said, it goes against our belief system. And my family line is Hinduism, and yoga is how the Hindus connect with their gods, and I don't want to bring that back into my family line. So any hint of it is a door open. I give her this little thing. Well, do you know? She not only don't let him do that, she also sent it to the gym teacher. Any teacher that would do any exercises. Yeah. So then they had him sit out, you know, so all the kids thought he did something wrong because he was sitting out. And then the teachers explained, I believe, and Josiah explained, no, it's because I don't do yoga. Well, check that out now. Right? If you do something wrong, God's the one that can correct you because you have a good relationship with him. And when God corrects us, he corrects our mistakes. This is why I can be so confident in doing what I do because I know if I mess up, God loves me so much, he'll fix it for me like it was supposed to be. And I'm, I'm fine with a relationship like that. <laughs> you see, like he loves me. He won't make me look bad. Like, you've got to know this. God's not going to embarrass you. When you start speaking on his behalf, you will have confidence to say what you're saying. Because your motive is right. You're not doing it because you're so religious, and I just don't do that. I'm doing it because my motive is right. I don't want my son to be hooked into yoga, because I know what it means. If you didn't have an understanding of what yoga is and you were doing it, that's different. But if you know what it means and you still allow it to happen because you're afraid of the system, then that's wrong. You see? Okay. James 4.1. No, James 4.1 to 17. It tells you why quarrels happen. Um... I already gave you 1 John 4. Uh, you guys learned something? So, to bring it back into perspective, if your mind can't think highly of God, then God is not the highest thing, the highest person in your life. If you can't... It, so when you think now, you know the Bible says think on these things and stuff, you should have a constant thought process going about God. Like, this is my life. I, I literally, I go to take a shower, I have my phone next to the thing, and before I go into the shower, I'm coming out and writing notes. <laughs> See my lifestyle, it's hilarious. I'm like pulling up the notepad because I'm like hearing things and I'm just writing it out. This is how I live with God. This is my lifestyle with God. I literally have to, when I'm driving, I have to put the thing on. Or if somebody's with me, I tell them, can you write this note down real quick? <laughs> I do that to Gabriel all the time when he was driving with me. It's like, it just comes because I'm thinking about God. When you think about God, he'll tell you about himself. You can't think about God and come up blank. Like, it's impossible. You will never, like people are like, well, I, you know, I don't really have any revelation. Well, who have you been thinking about? <laughs> like, really? If you think, if your heart is just like, oh, my gosh, you're like so awesome. Like, wow, how could you be so good? Like, there's nothing on this earth or this planet to compare 
God too. You would have to put them all together and it still wouldn't be good enough. Think about this. The Bible actually says that in, in Psalm 139, the way God thinks about us, there's so many thoughts about us and it's so heavy that he doesn't have enough time or ink. If the ocean's water were used as the ink to write it down, and we don't have any good thoughts about God, like, hello, he's talking about us in that way. Imagine what he is like. So all these inferiority feelings you have about yourself, you haven't been talking to the right person about you. (laughs) You've been listening to a bunch of junk (laughs) that keeps you suppressed and ugly. (laughs) Like ugly in your the way you behave towards people, the way you feel about yourself, the way you carry yourself. It's because you think somebody else is giving you your identity, not God. Everything he makes is beautiful. And that's where you should think that he made you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so ask God to wash you, give you a bath tonight. For real, tell him, go in my soul. Go in my mind and my heart. Wash me. Isn't there a verse that says wash me? Well, the washing of the water of the word, but there's even like the soap, certain soap they talk about. Oh, you know. Go find it. But, but it's got to be the Old Testament. It's probably in Psalms. Something about his stuff, all kinds of stuff. He washed people with all kinds of stuff just to give them an earthly you know, connection to what it would be like. But my point is, lay before him and say, just give me the hose. Just <laughs> wipe it off. And let him fill you. Just ask him to refill you. Give you an oil change for crying out loud. And stop admiring people from afar who's worshiping God freely. Why do you have to watch? Like he's some stranger to you. It's your God they're worshiping. (laughs) And it's fine if you just want to observe and smile. That's great. But don't judge it. And wish you could do it and don't do it. That's because you, somebody else is telling you you can't. Who is it? Arrest them in that moment. I mean, like Pastor Doug does not even come close. Like the gap between God and me and Pastor Doug and me is so huge that he could walk out and I'd be like, sayonara. Like, seriously. The gap between my children and God is so huge that they could decide, you know, they hate mom. Okay, great. Good for you. <laughs> That's what you need to be like. Like, seriously, not, like not I'm it, but I'm telling you this is possible. Your relationship with God needs to be so huge that no other human will affect you so much that you can't find comfort in God. There should be no human that should break you so much that it takes you so long to repair. That means you're not connected to God and God would repair you in a moment. He has raised the dead that have been dead for days. All their organs taken out of their body, he raised them. 
Your heart is the only thing that got broken. And maybe your ego. But he can fix both <laughs> at the same time. If you let him, the hang up is on our side. And it's usually based on what we think we deserve. When he says, I gave, I paid all of it for you. I had nothing else to give for you. I gave it all. I gave my son. That was all. Do you see this? You have a bigger gap growing now? <laughs> Questions? I have a note here. God will reveal more of who he is as you accept the basics of his description of who he is in his word. So when you read the Bible, if you can't grasp who God is from what he wrote about himself, you need the Holy Spirit to help you break that. You're stuck. So let him break it so that you can get more revelation from God fresh even on that same subject. I mean, there is nobody in the universe. The presidents of 50 countries could stand before me and I would not be in awe like I am of who God is. Like it wouldn't even faze me. I, I am important because I have a relationship with the most important person in the universe. So I could never go in a place and feel less than anybody ever no matter what their position this is what will help you with confidence you should never walk into a room and if you're a christian oh my gosh and you walk into a room with a bunch of unbelievers yeah. it's like seriously <laughs> and it is not pride to think this way this is another trap the devil set for people you ought not to think more highly than yourself than you ought to. Well, are you even thinking as high as you ought to? This is the question you got to ask. I highly doubt anybody really thinks as high of themselves as they ought to. <laughs> so how could they even go above it? They don't even think at the level they should be. Like I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. If you say that around some Pharisees, oh my gosh, <laughs> who does she think she is? I think I'm pulling my clothes apart here. But do you see the passion of what I'm trying to relay to you tonight? Every person in your life should be put on notice. They come way under God, like levels down, like earth and sky level down, like three dimensions down. Your love for God should be resounding in the third heavens which is where the throne room is, Revelation 4. Have any of you read it yet when I talk about that's what you should imagine when you worship? Revelation 4, that's a picture in your head. That's where your love relationship is hanging out with, God, who is up there, and he's doing stuff for you down here. Like, oh. <laughs> so when God tells me something, when the Holy Spirit gives me an instruction, I am on it. I rearrange everything else to do that. I totally rearrange everything else. So I can get that done. And that's how I roll. So God can give me assignments. I, you know, you can acquire other people's assignments. 
and get credit for it in heaven. Because the job needed to be done, and they decided not to do it. And because you're faithful, and you and God have a relationship that's called, yes, sir, you can get that assignment. And because the blessings of the Lord, it makes you rich, and it doesn't add any sorrow to it, it would not add any load to your, to your life. You see? All right, folks, we're on page one. We're doing good. <laughs> and uh, let me just tell you, last, I looked up last January, I suggested that you do a confession based on these scriptures, Psalm 7317 and Psalm 9711. And the subject matter was light, that more light would come to your life. And Psalm 9711 talked about how God gives us seeds of light. I felt like I should go back and look it up, and this is what I saw. Uh, and Psalm 73, 17 says, But then one day I was brought into the sanctuaries of God, and in the light of glory, my distorted perspective vanished. Then I understood that the destiny of the wicked was near. See, you don't have to be... The, 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 the destiny of the wicked is not your responsibility. And many times we don't want to do something because of someone else because we don't want to hurt their feelings or make them feel bad about God. Well, honey, they probably already feel how they feel about God. <laughs> you need to be, you need to be, um, you need to be not jealous, but... Um, not stingy, but another word for stingy. Uh, it's like you have this relationship nobody else can get in between and you, don't, you won't give it up for nothing. Um, I don't know. Stubborn, maybe, but then that's idolatry. Well, if you could idolatry, anybody's God. <laughs> so that would be a good way to put it. Like, be stubborn for God. Like, you won't let it go. You would not let God go. You would let everybody else go but God. But that's the opposite that happens. That's when God gets jealous because you're putting somebody else before him. And no matter how much, God could send 10 people to tell you the same thing and you are stubborn about it because it involves somebody you don't want to give up or something you don't want to give up. God says, okay, we're at this level now. Let's just stay here. I'll, I'll supply you with everything that can be there. So there's not, because see, when the gap shortens, it's detrimental to us, not to God. It keeps us out of a lot of the things God has planned and prepared for us. And his word does not return void. He doesn't go back on his word. His word sticks. That's what makes him God. And that's what makes him a just God. So he has to help us by keeping things where it's still not going to make us get in trouble. Right? Because pride is where we fall. So he doesn't want us to elevate the pride level that he did. Get us to pride level. So... Because then the devil has a right to come trip you up 
and throw it out. You see? But the more you know about God, the more you understand these things. And not be going, I wonder why God is doing this to me. (laughs) The question should be like, I wonder why I'm not releasing myself more to God. Who has come into my life to cause this disruption? I need to have a conversation with them or I need to kick them out. All right, we good? Let us pray. (laughs) Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, God, that we could each have a relationship with you. That's personal. That's private, yet the results are displayed publicly. And Father, you take such good care of us, and we appreciate everything you do for us. And so we ask you, Lord, as this, uh, this month finishes, as tonight ends, as we go our way, that you will just search our hearts, search us and give us feedback. Holy Spirit, be our guide. Help us and show us where we may have too small of a gap between our most affectionate thing on this earth and you. And Father, show us how we can widen the gap. Show us how we can deepen our relationship with you. How we can know more about you. Show us what you want us to know about you that we don't know. And Lord, I pray that for these women and the people listening, even the men, Father, that there will be this thriving relationship with you, Father, that cannot be taken away from us because it is our relationship with you, Lord. And you protect it for us. And we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.